Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, Playmakers. This is Ashley. And this is Brittany. And we are More Than a Season podcast. Welcome or welcome back. Yes. Thanks for being here. We know there's a lot of options. So, so excited that you chose us. And we are so grateful. And we love our community so much. We do. Thank y'all so much for being here. Again, if you haven't had a chance to, please pause where you're at and give us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. It really means so much to us. Yeah. And when you give us a review, we love giving you a shout out. So we actually have a review right here that I'm going to read from Vic. And so thanks so much for those five stars. And she wrote, love these ladies and the community they have created. Always keeping it real, sharing their experiences and knowledge and including all in the sports industry. They keep it lighthearted and are always smiling. Oh, Thanks. So sweet. Thanks, we really girl. appreciate you. We appreciate all of you that give us a review and we appreciate all of you for just being here and listening to us week by week. We really do appreciate y'all. Yeah, so we have some big news coming in our community. We have been told and asked and demanded that this should be a thing. So we've been working really hard to create a job board for our community. We have. And it's been interesting because I think in the last probably five years or so, jobs have really switched to be more remote friendly. And as you know, Ashley and I are both remote event planners and I don't think we would have it any other way. Mm -mm. It's just so easy with the sports industry to feel secure as your significant other might, you know, lose their job or maybe be in a transition and not making a certain amount of money or whatever, then you don't feel like you have to, you know, frantically search for a part-time job. So you have something that is yours and you can call your own. You know, we're big about identity here. And so we think this is a huge part of our community to be able to add this job board for everyone to be able to search for that perfect job. Yes. So it's going to be called Playmaker Professionals. And thank you to all that will take the time to fill out the little document that we have that will be linked in our bio on Instagram. So we're excited to share that with you. And hopefully we can help each other out with making this lifestyle a little less crazy. For sure. (laughs) For sure. We're going to link that also in the show notes too. So if you don't have Instagram or you don't follow us there, you can find the job board link in our show notes on Instagram. And that will also lead you to Facebook, which is where our job board will be hosted. So make sure to check that out. As we kind of roll this out in the next few weeks, we'll be posting tons of jobs for y'all. So if you're in the market or maybe you have a job for somebody else, please let us know. Yes. And we had a very adventurous, not so much, (laughs) weekend. Um, It rained and it was supposed to be our spring game, but that did not go according to plan. (laughs) Yes. It rained so much this weekend. I feel like it was crazy. I will probably be able to tell you exactly how much rain because we forgot to put the lid on our trash cans. So I'm pretty sure our trash cans are like full of water. So that will be a job for Drew to lift those and try to flip them over because it's going to be crazy. But it rained a lot. Yes. It did. My brother and his girlfriend came into town and it just cracked me up because when it rains, it's just so hard to entertain people when they come into town. And so we got real creative Mm -hmm. and bounced around, went into shops downtown that we've probably never gone into before (laughs) since moving here. But it was good. It was nice quality time. And you caught up on a lot of shows. I did. I basically like did not leave my bed this weekend. I had like, (laughs) I had some hip pain. And so I've just been trying to rest and take it easy. And so I just honestly cuddled in bed with Paddington all weekend. And it was super nice. We watched a lot 
lots of TV. Finish the ultimatum if you've seen so it. Exciting. Yeah, I don't know if you don't know what it is. Basically, these couples give their significant other the ultimatum, which means that they want to get married or break up. So they go on the show and then they have to choose from another couple. So they choose a person to mm-hmm. live with for three weeks and do like a trial marriage with this other person. And then they go back to their partner for three weeks. And it is like, you know, I just love the drama and I love oh, yeah. all the reality TV and it is dramatic. Yes. And we're watching it too. I told Brittany not to provide any spoilers because I, I want to get through it. And actually Carson, he'll he'll put up a little bit of fight in the beginning. He's like, oh, I don't want to watch reality TV. And then we start watching and he's like, no, I can't believe so-and-so did this. And they get so into it. So funny. I love when they get into it. Drew does that too. He does that a lot like Bachelor in Paradise because I always like try to get him to watch it. He didn't really watch this one with me, but he kind of knew what was going on. And then I showed him. Actually, the funny part is the ending is at this location in Austin called Two Wishes, which was one of the venues that we were deciding oh. between for our wedding. And so I like fast forwarded to show him like the venue because it was like obviously a way better professional video of like this venue <laughs> versus like my like crappy iPhone videos I sent to him. So I'm like, look, look at the venue. So he was like, wait, what happened with so-and-so? You know, he wanted to know like the details yeah. of what happened at the end. Well, what I think is crazy, we won't rant about this too much longer, but I just think it's nuts because the people that go and give their partner the ultimatum, the partners that were given that are like finding connections with other people. So it's like you brought your significant other there and you gave them the ultimatum, which I feel like that never works out in the beginning anyway. No, yeah. And so then now they're finding other connections and then the significant other that brought them there is like, oh man, what? Am, why did I do this? Like, yeah. What did I do? So. It's so crazy. Also, speaking along those lines, if you haven't seen Temptation Island, it's Ooh. like a better version of this, I think. And my friend did casting for Temptation Island. And so I was like, where do you find all these people? Instagram. Oh, she finds really? them all on Instagram. And I was like, how do you like Pick. look at them and say like, you look like you have a crappy relationship. Yeah. We want to come on here. <laughs> <laughs> or I always wonder how they, they have to do like a personality test or something. Because like, I guess you just hope that people have conflict with one another. So they like have entertainment. Like, how would you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't it's know. It's all interesting. But... Yes. Bringing it back yes, because we, we had an amazing interview for y'all <laughs> coming up next. And her name is Laura Young. We actually found her, speaking of Instagram, we yeah. found her via Instagram because we wanted to kind of expand our knowledge within other sports. We feel like that's always important to kind of bring everybody into this group. And so we were looking for somebody within the tennis industry. And wow, is she amazing. Yeah, we felt like we were already best friends with her while talking. We just like stopped recording. And we're like, oh, okay, let's keep <laughs> keep this yeah. conversation going. But she is awesome because not only does she describe her work ethic of her husband and the love for coaching and mentoring other kids, he just has been through it all. So he's done D1 tennis, and I know that now he is coaching high school. And it's just incredible to see that transition from player to coach. And she does a great job of talking about him and just looking lifting him up um, in the sports industry, and they actually have um, gone through some infertility. So we talk about that as well. Yeah, her fertility journey is really, really powerful. And just the way that she talks about it is so open and honest. We think you guys will really enjoy this episode. So we will see you on the other side.
It's our favorite time of the week. Y'all know what it is. We're excited about this one. We have actually never ventured into this sport, and we're going to be talking about the world of tennis, but Mm -hmm. also diving a little bit deeper into some other topics. Yeah, so we're not going to waste any time at all. We're going to toss it on over to her and let her introduce herself. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Lori Young, and I'm super excited to be on the podcast today. My husband, Ben, is a tennis coach, so that's how I'm in the world of tennis. I'm a teacher by trade, first grade. I just had a baby nine weeks ago, so I'm off on maternity leave until August. Uh, My husband's also a teacher and coaches high school tennis after hours. Oh, wow. Okay. Busy life going on right now. I'm just (laughs) thinking about all that. Wow. So let's back it up because we like to hear how you get started in the tennis world because like many of us in all the different sports, sometimes you don't even know what you're getting yourself into. In the beginning, you see your significant other and you're like, wow. And then you get into the industry and you're like, wow, this is way more (laughs) than what I thought. So give us a little background of how you met your significant other and then where you are today located. Okay. So we live in Connecticut. We're both born and raised in Southwestern Connecticut. We actually teach in Ben's hometown in New Canaan. So we met on match, which is hysterical because we kind of ran in the same circles. Actually, Ben's sister babysat for my best friend growing up and (laughs) I had no idea. And I showed my best friend his picture and she was like, that's my babysitter's brother. Uh, So again, we just kind of ran in the same circles. We teach at schools that are across the street from each other and we'd never met. So we met on match and just kind of instantly clicked over our love of education and teaching. And then like from the first moment we started dating, I was introduced into this world of tennis by Ben because that (laughs) in tennis, he's been playing since, you know, he was old enough to walk. It's something that he truly is passionate about, something that he loves playing himself, but also now coaching. And now that we have a little one at home, everyone's been giving us like tennis embroidered (laughs) bags and towels and little onesies with tennis rackets on it. And Ben keeps saying, well, if he wants to play tennis, when when Benny's our son's name, when Benny grows up, I don't know if he's going to want to play tennis. And I laugh because tennis is such a a part of Ben's life and now our life together, I will be shocked if our son (laughs) has no interest in tennis, but we'll, time will tell. (laughs) So when we first started dating, I knew that Ben was a big tennis player just because in our area, everyone knows him through tennis. And really the first time I realized like what a big deal he was with tennis was when we went to a local store And it was actually, I was buying vitamins and we were at like her local vitamin store. And the owner was like, excuse me, are you Ben Young? And Ben was like, oh yeah. And he says, I used to watch you play tennis when you were in middle school and in high school. And, you know, I would come watch your matches and all these years later, like you still look the same. And it was so funny to me. And we got in the car and I was like, were you really that good at tennis that like strangers were watching you play? And he's so humble. And he was like, yeah, I mean, I, I. Yeah, I played, you know, and then of course you find out that he was, you know, ranked number number one or number two in New England when he was younger and he was ranked top player in the state in high school and then played D1 in college and he's very humble about all of it, but I... I like to brag about it. Yeah. yeah, that is so cool. I feel like the the tennis world is so foreign to us that we're so interested to learn more about it and kind of more about like the season and training and what the schedule looks like. So obviously now I'm sure it's a little bit different than when he kind of was playing and things like that. But what does his schedule typically look like? So as a coach, they actually just started their season a couple of weeks ago with 
three rounds, four rounds, I forget. I lost track of tryouts. <laughs> so that's in March. And then they start with practices in April. And the funny thing is, it's actually not funny for him, but in Connecticut, it can be cold. So sometimes a couple of years ago, there was like snow on the courts during tryouts. Oh so it's weather, weather pending, but uh, usually the season for high school starts in, you know, mid-March and goes until the end of the school year in June. And similarly, and Ben's kind of adult tennis world now, he plays competitively. I believe his league starts in the middle of May. He plays a couple nights a week and it goes through the end of July. And then he also plays paddle in the winter. So that runs, you know, from late fall through January, February. Okay. I have to ask what's paddle because I have not heard of that before. So it's basically like tennis in a cage is kind of the only way that I can describe it. So it's almost like up on a platform and it it looks like an enclosed court. I mean, it's typically played in the winter and it's funny. We live in Connecticut, so it's like all stereotypes apply. A lot of people play tennis here and golf, you know, it's like, it it is what a lot of people play and paddle is kind of a tennis player's like winter, winter sport. Is it kind of like racquetball then? Sort of. It's like a shorter, from my understanding of it, I've actually never played. I just watched. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a shorter enclosed and and shorter distance. So, but according to Ben, he's like, you know, the game is just totally different. The strategy is different. And I'm like, it looks the same to me. You have a racket and you have a ball and you're hitting it back and forth, but Apparently, it's the, the strategy is very different. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I feel like that sport is so competitive. I know all of them are, but what does that look like? Is it usually you start really young and you have to choose your sport? So Ben started really young and loved it and enjoyed it. And his parents are just – I hit, like, the in-law jackpot. They're the best. <laughs> uh, and they they never put pressure on him with tennis, which is so funny because I think people assume when you – play a sport competitively from a young age that you have, you know, maybe these parents who are like super intense and pushing you into it. Um, and his parents just kind of nurtured him and, and let him take the lead. And he's the one who really pushed for playing lots and lots of tennis. He really didn't start playing super intensely until I want to say till he was like in early middle school. So he is one who will always say, cause I'm the, the same perception that you have, like with any sport, okay, you need to start when you're super, super young, if you want to be really good at it. Mm -hmm. And he always says with tennis, like, that's not, that's not the case. You can start whenever you want to start and there's certain strategy to it. And his agility is just so impressive. I don't consider myself an athlete, but I do exercise. I do have a love for fitness and just being active. And I played field hockey and soccer growing up, but anyway, he doesn't realize how quick he is. We'll go for a run. And I'm like, we've only run, I think, twice together in our entire relationship because I can't run with him. He, he will take our poor doodle out for a run and run like three miles and be back in like 20 minutes. And the dog is like passed out, exhausted. And then he like goes and works out. And I'm like, and he's like, oh yeah, but I, I can't run like 10 miles. And I'm like, yeah, but you're so quick. And it's, I think that's yeah. just from tennis, like yeah. just the running back and yeah. forth. Yeah. Which is, you know, definitely hard on your body too. He's definitely always injured. Yeah. That's what I was just going <laughs> to so, ask you. Like, yeah. I feel like that's a lot of like moving side to side, which knees and legs and I'm sure obviously like swinging the racket and things like that with your shoulders and the movements. How many times has he been hurt or has had to like take a pause? <laughs> so I, I can't believe I'm like admitting this out loud, but it's totally fine. So <laughs> 
I hate to gender stereotype, but here I go. He's a man. So sometimes he can be a little dramatic. (laughs) Started years ago, he had a stress fracture in his back when he was a child from like the pounding on his back. And he's, he's had a million and one injuries. So probably three, four years ago, he's like, you know, my shoulder hurts. And I was like, you're fine. Like just put ice on it and stretch it. Like you're completely fine. And he's like, no, it really hurts. And I'm like, you're, you know what? Like you're just playing tennis like twice a week. You're completely fine. So he goes to the doctor and he actually was not fine. He (laughs) tore his labrum and he had his, I think it was his bicep muscle was like completely torn off. So he had to have reconstructive surgery. And so, I mean, we still joke about it. And he's like, yeah, I I was fine though, right? And I'm like, you were were totally fine. (laughs) And even like his other shoulder now is bothering him. So it's, I think like to your point, just like the swinging of the racket is really hard on your body. And then like the, the running. But one thing that he's really, really good about is, I mean, he's been in PT for years and he's like religious about doing his PT exercises. He's very disciplined, which I admire because I wouldn't, unless someone is telling me to do the exercises (laughs) and standing over me, I won't do it. But he's, you know, every day he's doing things to strengthen mainly like his shoulders and his, his back. Wow, that's incredible. I will say with tennis, my experience that I've had, I did athletic marketing in college, so we had to promote tennis for Oklahoma State and I just oh wow I remember there was just so many different cultures in one team and I remember everyone was speaking different languages because everyone's from different places playing on one team so has he had a lot of diversity and like culture come to be a part and play so it's interesting his tennis team that he has now he definitely has kids with all different backgrounds which is really cool but to your point my in-laws are English and my father-in-law actually was born in Hong Kong. So he's Chinese, grew up in London. And just to watch, like he played tennis as a kid. And to your point, like, you know, all over the world, tennis is a sport that's played everywhere. And then the other thing that I really think is cool about tennis is just how it's like a generational sport too. You can play it when you're a little kid and you can play tennis when you're, you know, 95 years old, which I'm confident Ben will be barely able to walk and still be playing tennis. Yeah. Yeah. That's the cool part about tennis because a lot of these other sports that we have in our community, you know, you kind of cap out of when you can play. Like I played softball and there's no way. I mean, I could play, but it's going to be not the same, you know, not the same at all. And I definitely would get a lot more hurt. But I feel like tennis, you can kind of like ease back and maybe play at a lower level once you get a little bit older maybe he'll kind of calm down a bit (laughs) well and that's and the crazy thing is so his league that he plays on now is a very competitive men's league and there some of his teammates are you know in their 60s and you know of course they talk about being these incredible athletes way back when but I watch them play and I'm like to be in your 60s like running sprinting back and forth and playing a competitive game of tennis is super super impressive but yeah, I always tell Ben, I'm like, you know, you could, you could like play in like a less intense environment, but he, <laughs> he just, you know, he thrives on that. Yeah, He really does. I watch him play and he's so happy playing, but then I watch him coach and I just see, like, I'm going to get emotional talking about it. I just see like this different side of him as a coach, but it's like, he just has such like an intense love for coaching and for sharing mm-hmm. this game that he loves so much with his team. And this year his team is super young, more than half the team is sophomores. So it's just exciting for him to kind of nurture them and coach them and see where they are in a couple of years. It's it's nice that they'll the majority of the team will stay with him for two more years after this year. Yeah. 
That's awesome. And I also want to talk about your identity because we are huge with that in the sports industry and especially our podcast is because you get wrapped up in the sport and your significant other is coaching, playing, doing all these different things. And then you're trying to kind of figure out where you fit and kind of where your identity lies. And so was there ever a point where you felt like, hey, I'm kind of like focusing so much on tennis that I'm kind of not doing my own thing? Or do you have like a memory that you can think of and share? It's funny because we always joke in Ben's family that like, oh, we're we're Ben Young's like, I'm Ben Young's wife or like, you know, his parents <laughs> like, oh, I'm Ben Young's mom. And I definitely feel like that, especially when it comes to tennis, but it's something I'm, I'm really proud of him. So I don't feel like, you know, pushed to the side or mm-hmm. in his shadow at all. I'm just, you know, I'm so proud of him. And, you know, I think, just nine weeks ago, we started our next chapter as parents. And that has been, that's been challenging because I'm used to just grabbing our dog and jumping in the car and going to watch his tennis matches. And now we're still going to as many matches as we can, but it's like, I have to get a stroller and a sun hat and I have to get, I have to make sure like I feed him, but we get to the match on time. And so that has definitely been challenging. And even just the time component of having nights where Ben isn't home from tennis until like after eight and he's left for school at like six o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. It's been a lot with an infant, you know, so we, we definitely miss him during, during tennis season, like in a a different way now that we have our little guy here. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure. Being a teacher and then also coaching, it goes Mm -hmm. so unrecognized because I feel like a lot of people in the industry don't understand like the time commitment that these people put in and the pay that they get is not anywhere near to what they're actually doing out there. It is crazy. I feel like that's just, you know, my rant. I love teachers and I feel like they just don't get, they just don't get enough Mm -hmm. recognition. All of my friends are teachers and I always tell them that like you guys are the best people. And that's awesome. It's so hard like to watch that and see how much time and effort they put into their students and players and things like that. And then it's like, you don't get the pay on the other side. I could go on and on, but I won't. So (laughs) anyways, you know what? We we both love teaching it's I have to say I had a very high risk pregnancy and I was out on bed rest from November until we delivered our son in February and I was obviously terrified that we were going to have our son way too early and had to focus on resting and all of that but I was so sad Ben and I both love being teachers so 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 much you know it's even now I I won't be back until August and I'm having so much fun with our son but I'm like I wish I could like teach and bring him to school with yeah. me. Like, I know he's only nine weeks old, but like, I wish we could make that happen somehow. Maybe teach for like two hours a day. I don't know, like probably <laughs> naps or something, but. Yeah. So you just mentioned the the high-risk pregnancy. So I kind of want to talk about, you guys have struggled with infertility and your kind of infertility journey. We have a ton of people on our platform and neither one of us have children yet. So we always love to dive into that side of things if we can and kind of open up the door for people that are struggling through infertility. So can you talk about your journey a little bit and what you guys have gone through? So, you know, I I sometimes feel like it goes without saying, but I guess this isn't the case for everyone. We're teachers. We love kids. I think people assumed and they were right in their assumption that we wanted to be parents so, so, so badly. So from the moment we got married, we, you know, we're like, let's, let's make it happen. And I was proud of us in that the first year that we tried on our own, we didn't stress about it. It wasn't, I think I've seen friends and people close to me really like harp on it and obsess over it. You know, when is it going to happen? And we didn't do that. And Mm -hmm. I'm proud of us. We just spent a year, you know, working on becoming the healthiest versions of ourselves and really just trying. And, 
you know, once we got to around seven, eight months of trying, I went to my regular doctor and I was just kind of like, you know, like, you know, I know it could take a year and, you know, I'm not worried, but you know, that was kind of when we started to get a little bit worried and the doctor ran some of my blood work and she said a couple, you know, a couple of my numbers were a little bit low, but you know, she said she could refer us to a fertility clinic and, you know, I'm like a big rule follower and I'm like, well, you know, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology says like, wait a year and it's only been nine months. So we waited a year and that, yeah, I know, ridiculous. Um, we waited a year and then we went to the fertility clinic in June of 2020 and went through all of our testing and found out that I have diminished ovarian reserve, which just means I don't have a lot of eggs. They're decent quality apparently, but I just don't have a lot of them. And, you know, I was over 30, which I know is not old, but of course I was like, oh my gosh, like, is this why? And the doctor had explained to me that if we had tried to have a baby when I was, you know, 25, the same thing would have, you know, would have happened. So that, you know, made me feel a little bit better. So we decided to wait a couple of months before we jumped in to start trying any sort of treatment. It was more for my mental health. I mean, Ben was ready. I was ready, but, but not in a sense, just Mm -hmm. because it's the testing's invasive. Everything's invasive. You're being poked and prodded. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it, it felt like it was moving too quickly yeah. and it was like too scary and I didn't have time to process it. So we waited until the fall of 2020 and then we started, our protocol was to do medicated IUIs, which is intrauterine insemination. And really, I'll just be very blunt about it. And I hate when people describe it this way, but it's like turkey based or method. It's not really, it's, <laughs> but it, that's essentially what it is. Yeah. So you take, you know, you t- and ours were medicated cycles. So we took, I took a lot of medication and we had actually had our first IUI cycle results in a pregnancy. And that was, we were like shocked that it happened so quickly and we were so excited. And that was in December of 2021. And um, unfortunately I had a miscarriage at the end of February of 2021. That pregnancy was also a little boy and, you know, it was awful. It was definitely the worst thing that we've ever been through. And just, you know, thinking back to last year at this time, you know, after a miscarriage, so you have to wait until your pregnancy hormone numbers drop back down before you can try and get pregnant again. And my numbers were very stubborn. You know, my body still thought I was pregnant. My numbers didn't fall for three months. Mm -hmm. So then we were eventually able to try again. And we had a few more failed IUI cycles. And that was tough because, you know, I'm like, all right, this is it. It's never going to happen, you know, and, and we were prepared to do IVF and we, you know, had our protocol all set in place. And then we did one more round of IUI that resulted in our son that we had mm-hmm. on February 5th. Pregnancy was so scary with him in the beginning because we were just afraid, you know, constantly that it was going to be taken away again. Yeah. And then we finally had, you know, a moment where, you know, I got to, I don't know what it was like 15 weeks. And I had like this moment where I was just like, oh, I can breathe again. Like, I feel like it's going to be okay. And then we got our NIPS test or genetic test results came back with some questionable results on it. So I had to undergo an amniocentesis or another medical procedure that's invasive to check on the baby. And he was fine. Thank God. So we got through that. And then again, could finally breathe. And then six weeks later, I went into preterm labor. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so then I was put on bed rest. I was in the hospital and then I was home and I was on bed rest from 25 weeks until I delivered our son at 37 weeks. And I actually ended up having to be induced because I developed a severe form of preeclampsia called HELP syndrome. 
So I ended up after all of that needing to be induced, but he was born on February 5th and he's healthy and he's gigantic. Now he went from being in like the fifth percentile. He was really tiny when he was born. Now he's like in the 40th percentile. He eats up a storm. He's like (laughs) got chubby thighs and chubby cheeks and he's doing really, really well. So it, you know, it took us a couple years to get to him, but we have him now and, and every bit of it was worth it. You know, I think it can be hard when you're in it to stay positive. And I share a lot about it on my platform on social media. And I always get messages from women asking, you know, how do you stay positive? And it sounds a little depressing to say, but I, I didn't always stay positive. Mm -hmm. And there Mm -hmm. were some moments where I just felt so bitter and so angry and so negative and allowing myself to feel that way. And just knowing that it was okay, was probably the best thing I could do for myself. And I think that would be advice that I would give to hopeful moms out there who are going through fertility treatments that you don't have to stay positive. Sometimes it's really hard to stay positive, but surround yourself with family, friends, whoever you trust, a community of people and days when you can't hold on to hope for yourself. A lot of times they'll hold on to it for you and that will make all the difference. I love that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. That was a that's a lot to share, and we appreciate you being so yeah, that open. That was a lot. No, <laughs> no, in a good way. A in a good us. way. <laughs> not a lot for us. It's just it was a lot to share yeah. for you, and I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. And I wanted to talk about the mental health aspect because you you mentioned like it is like a roller coaster. It was like high highs, low lows, up down, up down. I mean, that's a yep. lot to handle. And you said to allow yourself to feel the feelings. And I think that that goes hand in hand with a lot of things in our industry that we're in, because a lot of people just say, you know, oh, well, you should be so grateful that you're healthy or you should be. So it's always somebody telling you how you should feel instead of like actually feeling it. So I wanted to talk about how how did you handle the mental health side of it? Like you said, support and letting yourself feel the feelings, but what did you pour into yourself daily? So I think to your point about just feeling grateful, I think with infertility, the thing that's really hard, many people who are going through infertility have a significant other that they're going through it with, right? So it's confusing because I think I have the best husband and the best friend in the entire world. So we're going through this hard time because we really, really, really want a baby. But then we would look at our life and say, but like, we have each other. Like there are so many people who don't have a significant other that they love and that is supportive. And that's amazing. Like we're so lucky to have each other. So how can we feel sad and like depressed about something? We should just feel grateful for this life that we have instead of yearning for something else. So I think that's the thing that can be really complex about infertility. But I've learned you can feel more than one way at a time. You can be so grateful for everything you have and still sad and long for what, you know, what you don't have Mm -hmm. yet. So after a miscarriage was kind of like a rock bottom type moment for me, Ben was pretty big about reminding me the importance of my own mental health. So I started going to therapy on Zoom every week. And I still talk to my therapist every couple of weeks now. But, you know, my my first session with her, I think we logged onto the Zoom and like she just was like, just, you know, tell me what's going on. And I just like could I just started crying. I like couldn't mm, even yeah. couldn't even introduce myself to her. And now I've formed a bond with her and and she's helped me through so much. And it's when Benny was born, I logged onto the Zoom screen, same thing. I just like, oh, I'm like, this is the baby. And I just started crying because it was like a full circle moment. Yeah. So therapy was huge for me. And then working out, I was pretty big into CrossFit 
when I got pregnant or all throughout her infertility journey. And that was like a big thing for me, like just to go to this gym that was like predominantly a lot of men who they were just there to work out and like grunt and there was like loud music and you could throw the things on the ground and, you know, like you're like flinging weights on the ground, you're sweating, you're running, you're just so intense for like 45 minutes or whatever it ends up being. That was huge for me. And then just spending time with my friends and totally like unhealthy, but like shopping and like going out to dinner yeah. and having a glass of wine and all that stuff, like during those months when we couldn't try, yeah, you know, I, I did that and that was helpful. And then just kind of like keeping my eye like on the prize at the end of it all. Like when you think about infertility, you're not guaranteed to have a baby, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're just guaranteed at all these chances to try to have a baby. And I think I just kept telling myself like, just believe in the chances and like, just keep taking the chances and you can't, you're never going to have a baby if you don't keep trying. And like, mm-hmm. I, I still get upset about it sometimes to think like, it sucks that like we had to go to a doctor's office to make our, our baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, like that sucks. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. It's time consuming. It's expensive. It's all of that stuff. But, you know, on my good days, I think about it and I'm like, wow, like we're so privileged. We're so lucky that we get to go to a doctor's office to help, you know, make our son and to make it happen for us. So it's just, you know, a complicated process and it's hard to take care of yourself sometimes. But I think I learned some pretty big self-care lessons that I will take with me into motherhood and just into the rest of my life. Yeah. I love the way that you put all that though, because you have like a positive spin on things at the end of the day, but you know, you do have a realistic viewpoint too, because I feel like a lot of people that have gone through things that are scary or hard, they're just like, well, you just have to be happy and positive. And it's like, okay, yeah, I understand that. But also like, give me the realness. Like we thrive on the realness. So I love how real and honest you've been about everything. And if you don't mind sharing, you don't have to, if you don't want to, but if you guys are thinking about like another child, are you worried about that process again? Or what's your thoughts going into if you're thinking about more children? So it's funny. It depends on the day. Sometimes I'm like super terrified and bitter and mad about it. And other days I'm like, okay, like we want more kids. We're going to do it. And we know what it's going to entail. And now because of my pregnancy complications that I had, we have to be really careful because two of the complications I had are likely to repeat in subsequent pregnancies. So now we're like, okay, not only do we have to worry about the difficulty getting pregnant, but now we would have to worry about actually Mm -hmm. sustaining a pregnancy. It's a lot, but we've talked about this, you know, at length and we're kind of of the mindset of we're going to try, we're going to go back to our fertility clinic actually this summer to kind of get like a roadmap going and and sort of have a plan for the future. And then we're going to trust our doctors and we're going to give it our all. And we're going to take a deep breath and just hope that we don't lose too much on the way to hopefully having more kids. And we also feel like we are so lucky to have our son. So if we start getting to a place where it's too much mentally, physically, financially, any of that, then we would just take a step back and just feel like our family is complete the way it is now. And, you know, I think always feel a little bit of sadness over that, but also just feel really grateful and happy to have our little guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love that. 
Yeah, that's amazing the way that you said that. And I I do want to thank you so much for coming on here. And we appreciate you sharing all of your just journey that you've been on so far. And I will say with the infertility journey, we love chatting about that because it feels so lonely. We have not personally gone through it, but hearing all of our community sharing their stories and the way that they feel we would just really appreciate you sharing that because I know it's a it's heavy and we just are so grateful that you have that platform and your story to share to impact others. So thank you again. And we always ask this question on every single one of our interviews, and it does not have to be about infertility. It could be about anything. If you could go back in time and tell your younger self one thing to help you in the future with either the sports industry or just in general, what would you tell yourself? I think just everything will work out in a happy way in the end, but be prepared for some crazy, sad, tough, difficult stuff along the way, but you'll get there eventually. Like, I just wish that I knew that, you know, and I think maybe in some of the tough moments, it would have made it a little bit easier to, to swallow. Totally. I feel like that's such good advice. I feel like that we can all relate to that in some sense of that statement because, you know, we've all been through things where you feel like you're never going to get out on the other side. And if you could just tell yourself, like, just Mm -hmm. keep pushing through, you would probably have a little bit more faith that you were going to kind of end up where you're supposed to be. So we love that. We appreciate you coming on again and sharing a little bit of an insight into your world. So thank you again so much. Thank you so much. And, you know, I'm my inbox is always open. I say I'm always there to chat infertility with anyone who might be feeling, you know, alone. I think you're like, to your point, it's, it's a, can be a lonely place. And sometimes a stranger on the internet who is willing to listen yes. is, is a yes. helpful thing. Yes, totally. Well, thank you so much. And we will link all the information in our show notes so everybody can find you. But thanks for everyone that's listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast for the latest updates. If you've enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.